0: I will begin with our gospel lesson this morning, as we are going to be in the Old Testament for our sermon text. We'll begin with the gospel lesson from Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 27. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word that you've given to us, and Lord, we pray that you would help us to hear it this morning that would help us to understand it this morning. And God, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, that it would be um, revealing that we would see you more clearly for who you are, that we'd see our world more clearly for what it is, that we would see ourselves more clearly for who we are and who you have created us to be. And God, we pray that this morning, By your word and by your spirit, you would continue to change us into the people that we were created to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 20. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you there he is or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah. So also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came, and destroyed them all. Turning into Second Peter, chapter three, it says in the bulletin verses one through seven. It's a typo. I apologize. It should be verses one through nine. Second Peter chapter three verses one through nine. Peter writing, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised ever since our ancestors died. Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as I mentioned, uh, we are starting a new sermon series today, actually. And uh, the reason for this, this is uh, my first Sunday here now in the season We are in a church year, the season of Lent, and this is the uh, 40 days prior to Easter, leading up to Easter, uh, not counting Sundays. So what we're going to do during this time period is actually look at different times that the number 40 gets used throughout the Bible and see what we can learn from that as we go through this particular season. And so we are going to start that uh, today. This is trial by 40 times of testing. Uh, We're going to look at one of these uh, occasions today. This is probably guessed from the Bulletin cover and the children's sermon and the readings so far, Noah and the Ark. That's what we're going to be looking at today and the rain falling for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, Now, this is times of testing. That's what we see with the number 40. I'm just going to tell you that ahead of time. That numbers in the Bible uh, often... Have some sort of symbolic reference, and uh, kind of in your when you hit that number, you go, "Oh yeah, there's an association with that particular number." We do things like this today. When if somebody says, "You know, oh I love you," twenty four seven, three sixty five, that's not a code. You're not like, "Oh, is this supposed to be something I, like?" Is there a combination lock somewhere? I'm supposed to put these numbers in. No, you know what 24 7 365 means. That's part of our the way we talk. Is these are numbers, but they also represent things: 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, and 365 days in a year. In fact, you know it so well that if somebody says "I love you 24 7 363," it would cause you to question. <laughs> the numbers are close. What's well, the big deal? <laughs> But you know that these numbers mean things. They're not just uh, numbers at random. And we see numbers in the Bible that have these uh, repeated themes associated with them. And so when you see the number seven, it is often associated with completeness. And you see that in the uh, creation itself, uh, in the seven days of creation. And from then on, when you see these sevens, it's associated with some idea of completeness. In the same way with 40, and we will see this as we go through uh, the next several weeks, But it is often a time of testing. Now, what does that mean, a time of testing? Well, if you can think back to when you were in school, (laughs) Uh, tests are actually meant to reveal something, right? And so you are supposed to have been preparing uh, and learning, and then you get to the day of the test, and the test reveals what you know and what you've been putting in up to that point, and uh, I always think back, unfortunately, to a time when I was in the eighth grade, and um, <clears throat> yeah, you're getting another one of these. So uh, <laughs> I was in the eighth grade, and we all go in for a test. And there had been a lot of kind of standardized tests that we had taken over the years, and this was another one of those. And we go in, and the teachers were afraid that everybody was going to get really stressed about the test, and this is a thing that happens. Test anxiety. All that. So they wanted to make sure that we didn't worry, that we didn't stress. And so they went on and on about how this test has nothing to do with your grades. You're not going to get, a, you know, this is not going to be on your report card. You don't have to worry about any of that. And in my brain, that meant this test doesn't matter. Therefore, why bother? <laughs> so I finished that test in record time. It was the old Scantron, and I just filled them all in and done, and now I'm off to reading my book, drawing pictures, whatever, because they said this test doesn't matter, right? That's not what they said. (laughs) They said it wasn't going to be for a grade that would be showing up on a report card. Apparently, as it turns out, it is the test that they were using for placing you in classes for the next year (laughs) when you got to high school. So when my mom found out I'd been placed in some very interesting classes, (laughs) she had some questions. (laughs) So that test did reveal some things about me, (laughs) but it did not reveal what it was intended to reveal. (laughs) But any time of testing, that's the idea of the test, is that it reveals something. And as we're um, going to look at these times of testing over the next several weeks, we will see what gets revealed in each test. And today, as I said, we're going to start with Noah. So, let's open to Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. This is going to be a little different than how we normally do things. Normally, we just kind of go through... We just finished the series on Acts. It took 69 weeks in the book of Acts, walking our way through it. Um, This is going to be very different as we're going to be jumping all over the place instead of walking straight through one area. But we're going to look... At Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 23, so you hear about this 40 days and 40 nights of rain coming down. And then we'll have to talk kind of around there, give you some context on what's going on. Genesis chapter 7. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every, clean, every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds, and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. And after, the, and after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened, and rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights." On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had, with them every kind, they had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth. And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. Every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds Livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, this is not a happy story. I showed someone this bulletin cover earlier, and they said, it's pretty dark. And I said, it was a dark time. And it was. And so uh, there are a lot of questions that we come to when we get to a passage like this, and I can tell you right now, I am not going to answer all of them. I am not going to answer most of them. (laughs) But that's stuff we can continue talking about um, in days, weeks, and months to come. Um, But what I do want us to do is take a look at this kind of big picture and see what in the world is going on at this time. And to do that, of course, you have to back up from just the account right there and see what is going on as it relates to everything that's happened to this point in the story. And so this is uh, Genesis chapter 7 is what we started reading, but if you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and read forward from there, this story makes a little bit more sense. And so uh, what we have in, well, what we have in Genesis 1, no, I'm going to say this a different way, what we have in Genesis 7 with Noah and the ark, is a, an uncreation followed by a recreation. And so if you go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and you're reading four from there, you see things like in the beginning, Genesis 1, chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Does this sound familiar? I hope so. Now, as you think about Noah and the ark with his family, what does that look like? Everything is formless and empty, darkness over the surface of the deep. And then you have, of course, you read on further in the story, as Noah sends out a raven and then a dove. And so you have a bird hovering over the waters, And you go, you know what? I think this is supposed to remind me of something, something that came earlier. And you have, uh, as you read in, Adam, or in Genesis 1 and 2, you have you know, people there with the animals, right? In a kind of protected environment. And now you look at Genesis chapter 7, and you see Noah and his family there in the ark with the animals. And you go, you know, I think this might, maybe it's supposed to remind me of something. And so here we go again, this uncreation and now recreation. Okay, so that is important to note, first of all. Second of all, as kind of where this comes in the story, is this is, you know, generations down past Adam and Eve, and the reason why this is happening. This is not just some random thing that's happening. This is happening for a particular reason. And if you remember, in uh, Genesis 3, we have Adam and Eve in the garden, And what is it that they do that they're not supposed to do? That is right. Eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They take the fruit and they eat it from the one tree that they're not supposed to eat from. And what is going on here is this uh, desire for something, but what is going on at the heart level is actually the pride that says... I know better than God. That is what is at the heart level, and that is what affects every person. Is saying, I know that God has said this, but I don't see anything wrong with it. In fact, it looks just fine to me. think I'll have some. And what we have seen from there is God said ahead of time, that will bring death. And what we've seen since then is it brings death. That when we choose to go away from God, the author and giver of life, what we are choosing is death. This is why Paul says later, the wages of sin is death. Or uh, again, as we read in James, the desire, um, when it conceives, gives birth uh, to death. And then, no, gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. And so we see this same cycle, the same pattern. And it goes on generation after generation after generation in every human heart. And that has been the problem. That's what we see in Genesis uh, three through six is this downward spiral of all humanity. That just like our first parents, everybody's making the same decisions, but it's just getting worse and worse. And so you see with Adam and Eve, what they do is they take a piece of fruit and then we have the next generation down, we have one of the sons murdering another. And then we go on a few more generations, and we have a guy saying, uh, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech will be avenged 77 times. Complete vengeance is what is now ruling the world. And so we get to chapter 6, and it says that God looks at the world. Verse 5 Of chapter six, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. If you think back to Genesis chapter one, and you think back to the creation of this of God's good world, and the creation of people, it's good. That he places into this good world for a purpose. And he says, let us make mankind in our image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. To rule over, etc., etc. But then as the story has gone, the people didn't stay good. The people don't reflect God. In fact, the people have turned away from him. And now it gets to the point where, tragically, it says, uh, this Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. That's pretty bad. right? So what do you do? What do you do if you are God in this situation? How do you fix a problem like this, when the whole uh, of creation and the purpose of creation has and creation of people? As for one thing, and we are so far off track. What do you do? This is where the flood comes in. <laughs> so he gets rid of them and starts over. Does he get rid of all of them? He does not. And here's what is really, really bizarre. is you might think, in looking at this story, that getting rid of them and starting over would fix it but it doesn't. So this flood is not to fix the problem. This flood is a time of testing and it is a time of revealing. So hang on, let me show you what I'm talking about when I say it oh, doesn't fix it. Um, yeah, I definitely should have marked this. In chapter 8, Starting in verse 20, after they come out of the ark, Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. You hear this? The flood did not fix the problem. But that wasn't the purpose of the flood. But the purpose of the flood is to be a time of testing and a time of revealing. And what it has revealed is that yes, people cannot live (laughs) apart from God. That is what it shows. Uh, Also, one of the things we see is, we have a saying in our house, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And uh, you're saying we thank God for the rains received recently and we're all the time praying for God to send rain. However, There was a time last year, especially around Sonora, we weren't praying for more rain. We're saying, thank you for the rains you've sent, but enough for now. (laughs) Too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And this is where the time of testing is 40 days. the rains continue to fall for 40 days. um, I would say that with a marathon It's easy to start a marathon. It's hard to finish one. (laughs) That's what makes it hard, is that it is over time. It is a lengthy uh, journey there. And the same thing with this time of testing being 40 days is, um, well, imagine this. You can probably pretty easily hold your breath for 40 seconds. Try it for 40 minutes. Just kidding. Don't try that. or <laughs> it's pretty easy to swim maybe even for 40 minutes I'll try it for 40 days when we have the rains continuing to fall for 40 days it is revealed that people can't live like that and we cannot live apart from god and that when we are living apart from god even his good blessings, his good gifts, become problematic for us. We cannot live apart from God. So this is what is revealed, and the story will go forward. And we will see that his plan to fix the problem was not to start over, wipe them all out, start over fresh. In fact, the reason that he has kept Noah and his family alive, the reason that we have this mercy for them, the reason that we have uh, this remnant that survives, even through the time of testing, is because of promises he's made earlier. And those promises will go forward through Noah. He's not going to start over. <laughs> he's going to continue the plan he had from the beginning, and it's all going to lead to Jesus. which We'll see. Um, okay. So we're looking at times of testing. We're looking at this during Lent of this year. Why? What do we do with this for us? I know we're starting a little late as far as a Lenten series, so we don't quite have 40 days left. It's okay. But oftentimes people use um, this time of Lent to fast, to give something up. And that's good, that's fine. But beware, Jesus did say in Matthew 6, you can be fasting and get nothing out of that if you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Just to show other people what you're doing. No. But then he does say, but when you fast, here's how to do it. So if you're doing that, make sure you're doing it uh, as Jesus directs. But in that, um, during this time, whether we're fasting or not, this is to be a time of testing. This 40-day period leading up to Easter is to be a time of testing for ourselves. As we look and we see where our hearts are, every inclination, evil all the time, maybe, or maybe sometimes, maybe not very often. The heart It's deceitfully wicked. It is amazing how we can uh, have not only evil thoughts, but we can ignore the evil thoughts that we are having, or we can pretend like they're not evil, that they are good, and even in the midst of our own evil can look down on other people as though they are worse. It's amazing. It's amazing what the human heart is capable of. So this is a time... To not just rush past and continue in those same destructive patterns, but to spend some time intentionally looking at our hearts um, you 're probably aware that uh, kind of the the big three when it comes to sin, money, sex, and power, right, all under the heading of pride. <laughs> Pride, we've already talked about is That saying, I know that's what God says, but I think I know better. Yeah. But these three temptations that come in there, money, sex, and power, or to put it another way, um, possessions, pleasures, and power. That way we keep the alliteration nice. It's all Ps. Uh, <laughs> possessions, pleasures, and power. Right? These are the ways of the world. These are the temptations we face, and these are what our hearts tend towards, away from God. But you know what? Jesus has a different way. He has a very different way. And he has an answer for each of those things as a way to live in this world now, even when our hearts are being directed those ways. And so, uh, with power, he says... You want to be great? Serve others. Serve others. Give up your chasing after power. Uh, Let me go back just a little bit to understand the context of this. Um, If you look in Genesis 4, as um, Cain has not yet killed Abel, before he kills Abel, God actually comes to him and he warns him. and He says, sin is crouching At your door. Get the wording right here. It says, uh, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin is crouching at your door. This is what we have. Possessions and pleasures and power. And he says, but you must rule over it. And this is how Jesus gives us the way to do that. And so we give up power, our claim to power. We don't let power our desire for that rule over us. But instead we serve. Uh, With pleasures, what does Jesus say? If you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. And so we give up that claim of pleasure in our life. This is one of the reasons why uh, people do fast <laughs> uh, during Lent and other times. And then, uh, was that one I said? Possessions, right? Possessions. And what does he say with possessions? Well, there's a man who came with a lot of stuff and he said, sell it. Give it to those in need. Or is that another occasion? Um, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And so the answer to uh, possessions ruling over us and going over after that, is to be generous, to give to those in need. And so he provides kind of the antidote for the problems that we have in our hearts. And then, of course, with pride, It's humility. Humility is the answer. And so we see in uh, Philippians chapter 2 that the whole incarnation of the word becoming flesh of Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but he gave himself up. made himself nothing uh, for our good. This is now what we do for others. And it is in all of this that we have this other way of, of living not with the inclinations of our heart being evil all the time but with a new creation not in the world but in our hearts where god is working by his word and his spirit in our hearts to make us into the people that he created us to be from the beginning in relationship with him through jesus jesus who teaches us another way jesus who showed us another way in how he lived and jesus who died Take on the judgment on our own sin, that we would have new life, that we would be, as Paul says, a new creation. We're going to celebrate this again here in just a few minutes. Um, and may this be a time for us to begin our own 40 days of testing our hearts, seeing where we are, and thanking God for the mercy. And the grace, forgiveness, and the new life and new creation that he has given to us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.